you know, again, I, the thing that stands out to me most, though, I will say that from the Gamecock side is that, like, like I said earlier, it's just been so long. And I, I talked about this last week on our show is just the mental edge and how mental edge plays such a role in rivalries. And you kind of see one team. I think that's one of the reasons it's been so streaky, right? Is you just you get to a point where you just feel like you can't lose to those guys, right? I mean, I felt that way. I was there in 2013 when Carolina won their fifth in a row. And, you know, you kind of felt like, like, we just can't lose to these guys. Like, we are in their head. And, you know, that was the first time in a long time what I was so proud to see that Carolina just finally fought back, you know, and just and just felt like they kind of put their foot down and said, all right, we're not going to get our, just our brains beat in again this year. On today's episode, Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up Show stops by to discuss the Clemson-South Carolina game from this past Saturday. Not a lot went right for the Tigers, but it's still championship phase. The Tigers travel to Charlotte to compete for another ACC championship. We discuss that and much more on this week's college football show. This is the Nachos and Analysis College Football Show, presented by Nachos and Analysis. Welcome to episode 15 of the Nachos and Analysis College Football Show. Today is Thursday, December 1st, and the only streak in Death Valley, South Carolina right now is a losing streak. I'm your host, Drew Archer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew Johnson. How's it going, Matthew? Not great. Um... Obviously, we all saw what happened Saturday. Uh, the more I've thought about it and the more that's come out of criticism and Coach Dabo's responses and players' responses, I got really mad yesterday and I typed out this a few bullet points that I wanted to go over just to start off the show on a high note. Yeah, let's start it with a high note. Most specifically, I was really mad about on Dabo's call-in show when he was asked about Will Shipley only getting the ball two times in the fourth quarter. And he says, well, hindsight is twenty twenty. DJ, okay, entering the fourth quarter, DJ was 7 for 33 for 96 yards, 2.9 yards per attempt. Shipley was 13 carries for 123 yards, 9.46 yards per carry. I was screaming, run the ball so much that the Carolina fan that was sitting in front of us started saying, throw the ball every time we had the ball because everyone else in the stadium <laughs> could see it in real time. But all the people who are making all this money could not see it. Um, Davo said DJ wasn't playing safety or returning punts, but he sure as hell wasn't calling plays either. Uh, and every time you try to confront Davo about his staff, he deflects harder than Kanye when confronted about anti-Semitism. So on that note, um, I saw a tweet about that that comment on his radio show and a, a gentleman by the name of Taylor, uh, they were referencing uh, the the passing game and how it's been non-existent for the last two years. He's like, and Dabo was talking about, well, one day they may get rid of me if y'all get fed up with or whatever. Taylor's like, we didn't ask for you to leave. We're You're avoiding the question, but I know we can't say anything right before the ACC championship game, but still frustrating. No, he still, he just deflects. Every time you try to come after one of his coaching hires, he just deflects it and says, you know, there's a there's a bunch of people at fault here, but we can point to for some few things that need to be fixed and that are very obvious to everybody. 
And it should be obvious to people making a million dollars a year. But anyways, how are you today? <laughs> I am doing all right. I, <laughs> I felt better and better each day since the since the loss. Um, I will start today off with some good news. Um, sponsorship. Okay. I may have just uh, secured, or I did secure a sponsorship for the baseball podcast that we haven't really announced much yet. And they will also be a sponsor of the college football show next fall. And that would be the pump monkeys, your septic tank removal people in Clemson. So shout out to uh, pump monkeys. Shout out to pump monkeys. Thank you. <laughs> also Sorry. on a, on another lighter note, I did have one other thing that was a little bit lighter. Um, it was this funny tweet that I saw. It was by a Gamecock fan in the tweets. It's a picture that, uh, Clemson football posted on their Instagram of Will Shipley on that long run where he got caught from behind uh, running with two Carolina defenders behind him. And the caption says, catch him if you can, you can't. And then a Gamecock fan said these were from the same play and then posted a video of the actual play of Shipley breaking free and having like a 15 yard advantage and getting caught from behind. So that's another lighter note, funny thing from the weekend. <laughs> this whole notion that Will Shipley has never lost a sprint gets like more and more frustrating every week when I see him break a run and get caught, which, Hey, I'm, I'm not here to throw any shade at Will Shipley because he was our leading rusher. He was the only form of offense we had this week, but just the and kind of going in with your comments about Dabo and asked about different things. I don't know, just the the flat out I don't want to say dishonesty, but just the how they just embellish everything and and try to polish it up and look nice. Will Shipley's a great running back, but he is not the fastest man I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a great running back. He might be the best player on our offense right or I would say he's almost a hundred percent the best player on our offense right now. Um he just doesn't have the top end speed like ETN did. So it's nothing against him. I'm sure he's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Love Will Shipley. We appreciate it. If we didn't have him Saturday, I don't know what would have happened. Uh, that one point loss may have been a, a much bigger margin. Uh, but just on a note, I know, Matthew, you wanted to touch on this. We are actively trying to improve our uh, our production quality. So if we sound different, we're trying to fix things and make things better. So, and then Matthew's is editing his first podcast this week so yeah i am i'm also gonna throw in because when yesterday me and drew got on to try to like work out our mic qualities and make sure everything was sounding good and we recorded a few zoom session like fake intros for the podcast that i'll put some clips in of them right here because <laughs> they were pretty funny yeah we'll just record right now welcome into episode 15 of the nachos and analysis college football show where we are going to discuss how shitty Clemson's football team is and how bad we lost to South Carolina, even though it was only one point on the scoreboard, it was 40 in our hearts. Welcome into the upside down of the Nachos and Analysis podcast. Matthew just gave you an intro, and now I'm giving myself an intro here. Um, the world is crumbling. Clemson sucks. Dabo needs to be fired. Um, bring back Will Muschamp. We'll take him at Clemson if nobody else wants him. Uh, but today's topics, uh, we're going to review week 12 picks. Um, I don't know if you've looked at this yet, Matthew. I threw a different color in there for my picks this week. Uh, we, we're used to seeing the the green and red. we got to discuss the yellow that's under my pick from last week. Uh, we're going to discuss this week's Twitter poll. 
Uh, Clemson came in at ninth in the college football playoff rankings this week. Uh, where do you personally rank the Tigers? I personally was shocked that Clemson came in at ninth, but we'll discuss that here in a little bit. And then we bring on the opposition. Uh, I talked a big game last week, hating on South Carolina. I broke out the bourbon for the recording. Uh, but we reached out to Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up show, and he is going to join us to break down the Clemson-South Carolina game. We're going to get a Carolina's perspective on that one. Uh, and then later in the show, as always, we're going to do Factor Fiction, cover the college football playoff and the Clemson media poll. And then we are going to give out our week 14 picks before we discuss the ACC championship between the Tar Heels and the Tigers. Week 13 picks. Matthew, you had a bounce back week. I did. I honestly. The one and three last week. Yeah, I did not. Uh, I didn't watch any game except for Clemson's game. And I watched like a little bit of the Auburn Alabama game when we got back to the tailgate, but I didn't even check to see my scores until I opened up my notes today or opened up the show notes today to make my own notes. Uh, so yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. I did get an extra red one though for the underdog coastal Carolina, James Madison. I don't know if you saw the final score of that game, but they lost like 44 to seven or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I almost, I almost made it that extra red color, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I couldn't do that cause I was a loser this week. So um, yeah, your favorite uh, over and under hit. I lost my favorite. I lost my under. My under was South Carolina and Clemson under 52. Um, that one went way over. Which is nice uh, because I picked that for my over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one of us was winning that one. Uh, my questionable one here, and, and as far as scoring, I didn't know how to handle it. Uh, Auburn-Alabama was a 22-point spread, and Auburn lost by exactly 22 points. In the betting world, that's a push. I don't know if we'll just leave that as a tiebreaker point in case you and I do tie at the end of the year. So see, yeah. I was usually I and put in a push, nobody wins, right? Like it's just everything off. So, but I, since I personally thought the spread was going to be more than that, I thought it was a gutsy call. I was going to give you the point for it. Uh, unless you go up to 13 on the season. Well, I will take your generosity <laughs> and I will delete the one and the 12. So for the uh, overall scores for the season, Matthew leads 15 to 13. So I got uh, I got some ground to make up coming up here with championship weekend and bowl season coming up. Twitter poll. Clemson comes in at nine in the college football playoff ranking after losing its second game of the season. Where would you personally rank the Tigers? Where did you vote for this one, Matthew? Um, I actually didn't see this one on my feed. I was kind of on the Nachos Twitter a lot more than I was on my personal Twitter. In the TigerNet poll that we'll talk about, I put Clemson at 15 because I just don't think that I don't want to see them anywhere near the top 10. But the two losses do look better with Notre Dame overperforming towards the end of the season and South Carolina doing the same. So... And South Carolina's now ranked, so that's a ranked loss at least too. So uh, the losses don't look as bad now in perspective. I'm just pretty upset that we dropped that game. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I uh, I voted tenth, and that's what I went with in the uh, Tiger Net poll. Yeah, there's a. 
I feel like ranking these teams has gotten very difficult with the amount of two and three loss teams that we're finding in the top 10 or right there just outside of this year. And I guess I wasn't too far off at 10. I don't, I don't know. I was still, I was still pretty shocked at, at where Clemson came in. Uh, the results of our poll this week, 24% of the vote came in for a ninth. And uh, so 24% of our voters agreed with the playoff committee. 11% said 10, 13% said 11. And the winner of the poll was 12 with 52% of the vote. So they're thinking a little bit more along the lines of you. Cause I'd imagine if I had a bigger number there, it would still be pretty high. <laughs> you should have just put only, unranked as an option. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Twitter only gives me four options when it comes to a poll. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, we'll see. All right, up next, Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up show joins us to discuss the big game in Death Valley last Saturday. Today, we're joined by Chris Phillips of the Spurs Up show, uh, the first time this season that we've had someone from the opposition on. So uh, we got to start by congratulating you, and uh, thanks for coming on. No, absolutely, guys. I appreciate y'all having me. Um, you know, it's funny, last week, about this time last week, too, I, I sort of put a uh, proclamation out there any any uh any clemson content creators that that want to chat we could do it and it's funny how uh, you kind of get what you ask for so no, i i appreciate y'all reaching out man it's a it's a pleasure uh you know i think south kind of clemson's the best rivalry in all of college sports not just college football and uh, so it's great that we get to talk about it now obviously a fantastic game you know i, I think that would have been a great game no matter who was the victor, if you you know if you just look at the final result, obviously those games though, when you're on the winning side, they're a classic, and you're on the losing side, they're they're you know the worst game you could ever play. But so, no, I appreciate y'all having me on, man. Looking forward to uh, talking some ball. Oh, yeah, that that tweet actually that you're talking about, um, I saw it, and when I first saw it, I was like, we could be the the people that he talks to, but then I realized like <laughs> we're we're very laid back and kind of nonchalant and don't take ourselves seriously, but you, you kind of get fired up. And I was like, maybe that isn't, maybe we can't be those people. Maybe we can't be on his level. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I bring a lot of passion. It's like, I was telling you guys off here and I would tell anybody, man, I, I just like to have fun with it, man. I like to ruffle the feathers a little bit and especially when it's rivalry week. And, you know, I'll be totally honest with you, man. I'm in the content business. I'm in the content game and, uh, Clemson social media, they just kind of give me exactly what I want. So I'm like, well, let's, <laughs> let's stoke, let's, let's stoke the fires a little bit and play it up a little bit. And I think it just brings a little extra juice to the rivalry and gets everybody excited. And, you know, it's funny, man. I, I would look at Carolina Clemson, Carolina Clemson week, the football game, my, my numbers, they're probably higher than any other week because normally, obviously all of my people are consuming the content, the videos, watching everything. But that week, it's Carolina and Clemson people are watching everything. I mean, like even TikTok just blows up and goes crazy. And so it's 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 a lot of fun, though, man, at the end of the day. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, I'm just happy that uh, South Carolina was able to back up some of my trash talk this time. Because last <laughs> year, obviously, I sort of felt uh, felt a little bit foolish. But either way, no, it, it's, as I was telling you guys off air, man, it's never meant as personal. It's just trash talk. It's fun. And that, that's really what a rivalry is all about. So, I, like I said, I'm just glad that South Carolina finally, for the first time in a while, was able to back it up on the field. And, you know, now I think going into next year, we, we've got a little extra a little extra juice going in that game. So, I mean, two top 10 wins back to back to end the season is about as good as you can ask for, really. Yeah, nobody would have ever seen it coming either, man. I mean, you, you can ask anybody the, the the day before the Tennessee game. I mean, I I wrote this team off completely. I picked a fifty nine to thirteen loss to Tennessee, and I, and I think that's one of the reasons why you know I've actually had a lot of Clemson folks reach out and they appreciate the banter and the trash talk during rivalry week because they know that 
I'm not just being a, a garnet glasses homer. Like, I'll call it as I see it, and I really thought Tennessee was going to curb stomp South Carolina after that game in Gainesville. And so for the turnaround they had, for what Shane Beamer and company were able to do, and and then go into, you know, go into Death Valley and prove that it wasn't a fluke and be able to put back-to-back good performances together. And, you know, Clemson's obviously still loaded with talent, and I know there were some questionable things that happened on the coaching side, but for the Gamecocks to fall down 14 to nothing and be able to fight, scratch, and claw and throw back some punches and, you know, really, I think, go toe-to-toe with Clemson for the first time since 2013, you know, it felt like forever. Clemson just had the mental edge. When they got up on South Carolina, they just buried them. So uh, for Shane Beamer and company to do that and rally the troops and turn that thing around and really salvage the season, I think, in the last two weeks was, you know, a job well done. And I think certainly, obviously, it's caught college football nationally, caught the attention with the Gamecocks being 19th in the uh, the college football playoff rankings. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of talking about that, that Tennessee week, uh, you caught some some flack on social media with your your t-shirt sales <laughs> with the fire sat shirts uh then he goes on and proceeds to to help lead the the gamecocks to a win over tennessee and a win over uh clemson uh what are your thoughts on on his last month and and now him gone to nebraska well boys i, I i'll tell you this and i look back at that florida game when, when you just got thoroughly embarrassed and we saw something completely different in the final two games And there were rumors floating around that Ray Tanner had had conversations with Shane Beamer and what conversations are going behind closed doors. And and listen, I I don't want to take, you know, I I don't want to take all credit away from Marcus Satterfield and and just completely discredit him because, again, at the end of the day, he's the offensive coordinator. But I will tell you this. If you think that there were not major changes behind closed doors in regards to the offense and and, uh, the voices in the offensive huddle, like if you think it was Marcus Satterfield that was just all of a sudden he had a come to Jesus moment and he saw the light – I got some beachfront property in Omaha. I'd be more than happy to sell you. There's just, <laughs> there's just no way that all of a sudden the light bulb clicked and they were doing the exact same things and it just somehow worked out. And especially it worked out against a Clemson defense that features, I mean, basically that entire front seven is going to play in the NFL, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, listen, I, I'm a man of the people. I'm an entrepreneur. I waited as long as I could too. And people were just clamoring. I had hundreds and hundreds of people, dude, drop fire sat merch, drop the merch, drop <laughs> And so, I mean, I, I'm just someone, listen, did I even buy my own merch? Was I rocking the fire sat merch at any point? No, but again, I'm a man of the people. So the people wanted the fire sat merch and so they got the fire sat merch. And, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe it sparked something behind closed doors. Like I said, I waited as long as I could. I mean, there were people after the, the, the Kentucky and Texas A&M wins that wanted me to drop the merch. I was like, I, I'm not being that guy. I'm not doing that. And then the Missouri game happened, and that's when it was like, man, we, we got to go a different direction offensively. This guy's just not the answer. And, you know, I went on Mark Ryan in the Upstate. I, I went on his radio show on Monday, and, you know, he he had felt like, listen, I, I will give tons of credit to Marcus Satterfield. I, I think it's it's unfair to completely say, like, he, he's obviously the OC or was the OC, and he had a hand in how much, I don't know, but a hand in that offensive turnaround. Uh, so he had felt like, you know, you're having a completely, you know, change of heart with Sat. And I want to make one thing clear. I, I'm ecstatic that how it worked out. I'm ecstatic that Marcus Satterfield is now in Lincoln. I, I, I think I think if you could go inside the brain of Shane Beamer, I think that was the most ideal finish, an ideal set of circumstances that could have played out. You finish up eight and four, back-to-back top ten wins. Marcus Satterfield lands on his feet, and now you get a new OC. Like, it could not have worked out any better. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, And it's no ill wishes. It's nothing personal to him, but – you know, I just think the pro style, the slow, monotonous stuff they were doing. And again, you didn't see them do that the last two games. So 
I, I think there was a major change, whether it was Freddie Kitchens, whether it was Justin Stepp, whether it was Shane Beamer himself. You know, if you watched the last two weeks, you saw those guys much more involved in the huddle. Heck, there's a video, the last play of the game against Clemson. You know, you're hearing Eric Douglas, Gamecocks offensive lineman, basically called that play, the final play. It wasn't even Satterfield that called that play. So, you know, I, I, I think there were major changes. There was an overhaul after that Florida game. And again, I think that, that Florida game was so ugly and so embarrassing that it forced their hand a bit. And, you know, it just, you know, it just went to show you in those last two weeks, how much talent they really did have on the offensive side. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, listen, I, I did not want to be the fire sat merch guy, but again, I'm a man of the people, man. I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> and at the end of the day, the people clamoring for the merch, I'm going to fire off the merch. So it is what it is. I get to make a couple of T-shirts, and Marcus Satterfield got paid $900,000 $900, a year to coach offense. So I, <laughs> I, I, think, uh, I think he'll manage. It's kind of like back in the day when I, I made Fire Must Chant merch, and people kind of had a similar reaction. I was like, well, I got to make a couple of T-shirts and a couple of jokes, and he's getting a $13 million buyout from USC. So who, who's really winning? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I, think, I think he's doing all right. So, you know, it is what it is. But, again, I, I will say I'm happy that Sad. I'm happy the way it worked out i'm happy that beamer didn't have to fire him again he lands on his feet we get to go a new direction and i think this is a great opportunity for beamer to you know this this position's much more sexy than it was the first time around when he first got the jobs so you know i think they'll really be able to go open the checkbook and you know hopefully lure a big name and i think this is a huge hire still for shane beamer because you know three four five years down the road i think his tenure is really going to be judged on the offensive side and can they get it going offensively because that's what the game of college football is geared to is you got to be elite offensively to really compete I do have to say it's a little discouraging you saying that you don't think it was all the offensive coordinator having a complete overhaul in the last two weeks because I was kind of hoping for that for Clemson to happen this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, I, you know, there, there there were people that there were some uh, there were some mixed emotions or mixed uh, mixed feelings from from Gamecock social media in, in regards to oh should we actually keep him and I and I just. I watch it, guys, and again, I, I, I'm I'm not behind closed doors. I'm not in the building. I, I don't have any sources that probably anybody else does or doesn't have, but I just trust my eyes and I trust my gut, and I watch, and I'm like, there's just no way that they were doing the exact same things, and all of a sudden it just clicked. Like, like something changed. And where there's smoke, there's typically fire, and there was a lot of smoke in regards to who might have had a hand in it. And, uh, you know, I was asked by Mark Ryan. I was asked by others, too. You know, do, do you think Shane Beamer's lying? Because he he said that Sat was calling every play. And I think there's a difference in lying and coach speak, as we all know. So, no, I don't think Shane Beamer is a liar by any means. Obviously, I mean, I love Coach Beamer. Beamer ball to the moon. But I, I think you kind of say what you got to say to save face for all parties involved. But And, I mean, I'm not even blaming them. Like, it, they should have been doing that the entire time. It's like you have these support guys. You have an offensive staff. To use everyone, it shouldn't be on one guy. So, um, again, I, I think it worked out as ideally as it could have. Um, and I'm just – the thing I'm happiest about, though, is that if it would have just been Tennessee and then Clemson and you go in there and you'd have laid an egg or whatever, you'd have looked at Tennessee as just a one-off. But, I mean, the fact they were able to go into Clemson and Spencer Rattler did his thing, and obviously he balled out the last two weeks. And um, and that certainly helped. You know, I, I, we, we put all the, all the blame on Sap, but Spencer Rattler didn't play great football for, through the first ten weeks. But – you know, what a finish. I mean, no, nobody could have really seen that coming. And I mean, just, just the offensive explosion they had, and you know, to cap it off with that game on Saturday was, was incredible. Yeah. It's great momentum to carry into next season too. But um, as far as just the Clemson game goes, I think Clemson fans have a pretty unanimous idea of why, like why everything went down the way it did, but we're Clemson fans. So I kind of wanted to see 
what you thought about it personally. Like I was trying to rewatch the game earlier and the first half South Carolina was really just shooting themselves in the foot with turnovers, uh, with the pick six and then the pick in the end zone. Um, and then if you take away the pick six and the safety, it's a 14, 14 game at halftime. Like it felt like it was a lot more in hand for Clemson personally, like being there, I felt like it was a lot more in hand than it ever was. So I, what were your, what was your perspective like throughout the game? Yeah, you know, guys, and, I, and I'll say this, and I, I had a feeling about this game over the summer, and I list, I labeled it, you know, I, I, I lock in my predictions for the season each and every year in July, like the week before SEC media days. And I listed this game as a toss-up, and I actually picked South Carolina to win the football game. And obviously at that point, I mean, I was labeled a lunatic, crazy. Carolina's coming off a 30 to nothing loss. A lot of the roster is the same. Yes, you had Spencer Rattler, but you know, a lot of people thought he was a bust or what have you. Anyways, and Carolina hadn't won since 2013. So it's like, why are they going to do it now? Especially going to Clemson. And uh, really, man, looking back, honestly, I, I just thought that I was like, you know, for the first time since 2013, Carolina's going to have the advantage at quarterback. Like, I, I believed in Rattler. Like, I really thought, you know, he, he's going to elevate that position to such a level that, again, it's an offensive game. And I think Spencer Rattler can outduel DJ Uyunglele if the Gamecocks can – just remotely slow down the run. Now, I was surprised, and I know many Clemson fans were as well, that Clemson sort of abandoned Will Shipley because the Gamecocks couldn't really stop it at all. And I don't know that Streeter maybe hit the panic button in the fourth quarter. It, it almost felt like a like an ego thing. Like, like, like Rattler was out there doing his thing, and it's almost like Clemson wanted to be like, well, we can throw it too. You know, we don't, we don't have to run the ball. And, and I'm not, you know, maybe that's not the case, but – it felt a lot like the 06 game where it's like Tommy Bowden, just run Reggie Merriweather. Like Carolina can't stop him. And for whatever reason, they didn't do it. And, um, you know, again, give the Gamecocks defense credit. They were aggressive. They did what they had to do. And, and they, made, they, they made the stops when necessary, especially in that fourth quarter. But, um, you know, I, I was surprised at that. I, I was a little bit surprised at just, just how bad DJ Uyunglele looked. And I know he wasn't great in the last year's game, but – you know, he's been so hot or cold for Clemson, and I think most of the time it's cold. And You know, it, it's it's a tough spot he's in following up the Deshaun Watsons and Trevor Lawrence's of the world, but I think he's obviously shown at this point he's just not that guy. He, he's not that that big-time QB that Clemson is used to having under Dabo Sweeney. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I felt confident that if South Carolina could just somewhat slow down, especially after the, after the Tennessee game, right, if they could just somewhat slow down the running game for Clemson, you know, I, I thought that, you know, I, I was hoping that the Tennessee game was a sign to, okay, maybe the passing game's getting going. South Carolina's going to take the handcuffs off. They're going to be more aggressive. And I, I, I will say one thing that really surprised me. <clears throat> it's crazy to me that South Carolina could not run the football. And Clemson knew that. And yet Carolina could still throw it. I, I just, it's, it's, you don't normally win football games when you can't stop the run, you can't run the ball, and you're one dimensional. And they did. They, they did. They were able to move the football up and down the field. And, and again, you know, bow up late and, you know, a couple of those turnovers, obviously the the weird random trick play thing that I think Clemson thought they were going to run on special teams and obviously the, the fumble late. I mean, it, it was just – it was kind of a wacky game. You know, a lot of – and like you said on the South Carolina side too, though, I mean, I think Gamecock fans look at that game and say, hey, we could have won by, two, you know, double digits or two scores because of the, the pick six, the safety, the – the pass that was a backwards pass, I thought that was not called a backwards pass. Like there, there were a lot of crazy things that happened in that game, but I feel like that's sort of what a rivalry game is or should be. And um, again, guys, you know, and I and I picked the South Carolina victory 
you know, late last week. And I just felt like, again, that, that, that the Gamecocks, if they could just somewhat slow down the Clemson running game, normally the team with a better quarterback does win the football game. And I, I think that's really what proved to be true. But, uh, yeah, it was surprising to me that Shipley was not used more. What well, he only ran the ball like 15 times and he averaged yeah. like 10 yards a carry. And, yeah, you, you kind of feel like if they would have just force-fed him the ball and he ran it 20 times, 25 times, you know, maybe it's a different result in the game. But, you know, here we are. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I kind of already went over this with all with our listeners earlier. But uh, that was my biggest problem is like Dabo basically said not running Shipley in the fourth quarter more hindsight's 2020. But going into the fourth quarter, DJ was seven for 33 for 96 yards and uh, Shipley was 13 carries for 123 yards. Mm -hmm. DJ was averaging 2.9 yards per attempt and Shipley was averaging 9.46 per carry. So. <laughs> It's 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 baffling to me. It was yeah. so frustrating. I was starting to watch it back, like I said earlier, and I couldn't get past the third quarter uh, today. It was just so frustrating to watch the running game work and then call a pass the next play. Yeah, and I mean, it, 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 it is surprising. I mean, again, Shipley's a fantastic player, and, you know, he was kind of doing his thing and running at will. And, you know, again, I, the thing that stands out to me most, though, I will say that from the Gamecock side is that, like, like I said earlier, it's just been so long – and I talked about this last week on our show is just the mental edge and how mental edge plays such a role in rivalries. And you kind of see one team. I think that's one of the reasons it's been so streaky, right? Is you just, you get to a point where you just feel like you can't lose to those guys, right? I mean, I felt that way. I was there in 2013 when Carolina won their fifth in a row. And, you know, you kind of felt like, like, we just can't lose to these guys. Like we are in their head. And, you know, that was the first time in a long time what I was so proud to see that Carolina just finally fought back, you know, and just, and just felt like they kind of put their foot down and said, all right, we're not going to get our, just our, brains beat in again this year because it looked like that way early on it felt like you know it was maybe going to be um you know a similar type of game as what we had seen in the past so it, it was great to see this football team fight scratch and claw and 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 you know turn out a different result but uh, uh you know hindsight's 2020 for sure and again i know i know Dabo sweeney and, and streeter they're all answered questions and you know you ask about the merch it's funny i was like yeah earlier this week i was like yeah i think i'm gonna repurpose the uh the fire sat merch and just turn it into fire streeter merch. And somebody told me, I'd probably, <laughs> I would, I, I I'd would probably, buy be it. To, probably be able to retire if that were the case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and going back to your point, Matthew about, and y'all both mentioning Shipley, it is the second loss under Dabo Sweeney uh, out of 78 games where Clemson has rushed for at least 200 yards. Saturday was just the second time ever. The other time was 2009 uh, when Clemson lost to Georgia tech in the ACC championship game. Um, and Chris, you mentioned, Falling behind 14 and nothing, Spencer Rattler kind of showing his poise. I personally, on this podcast last week, didn't think that, that Rattler was capable of doing it two weeks in a row. I thought mm -hmm. the Tennessee game was a, a flash in the pan, especially after they go down 14 and nothing. He throws a pick six. Um, what, what, what was going through Carolina's fans' minds at that 14 to nothing mark? Because it, it, yeah, it, 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 it's funny you asked so that that and I know you guys will recall that this that pick six bro I, I got flashes of Jake Bentley in 2017 I was just like oh my same God. no like, that was that game, I felt like game, it was gonna go that way I was like the game is starting identically to to that 2017 game when I think Clemson won like 34 to 17 and um yeah I mean I listen you go down 14 nothing and I, I just kind of felt like you know I, I didn't feel like Carolina was playing terrible football at that point um, but certainly, you know, I, I had, you know, feelings of anxiousness. I was 
I was nervous because again, you've lost these guys seven in a row, eight years in a row. It's like, damn, like I, I, I maybe this is just going to go exactly like the others have. And, you know, I, I will say this. And I said this after Florida, because I, I wasn't surprised to see Rattler do what he did against Tennessee. I wasn't even really surprised to see him do what he did against Clemson. I felt like after Florida that Spencer Rattler was, I, I'm not going to say he was a Heisman trophy caliber quarterback, but I felt like, he was a good quarterback in an extremely flawed system. I mean, because, again, you were seeing the whole check with me thing, and he just looked confused, and they were playing in half speed. And and we felt like all season that, like, you know, I, I told people, I don't want Satterfield fired because I expected this Carolina offense to be what Tennessee is this season. I, I want this – I want Marcus Satterfield gone because they should be better than what they are. I, there's just no way – that you could convince me or any of the Gamecock fan that with the playmakers they had, and again, I'm not saying they should be the number one offense in the country, but with guys like Juice Wells, Jaheim Bell, I mean, guys, Jaheim Bell didn't touch the ball, wasn't even targeted against Missouri once. I mean, it took it took the fire sat merch. It took the fan base freaking out about Jaheim Bell not touching the ball for them to start force-feeding it to him, for them to get it to him. So, you know, people want to come at me for the merchandise. It's like, hey, I'm all about applying some pressure. You know what? You're getting paid a lot of money. This is big boy football. You can think something's over the top. But I'm about applying pressure because you know what happens when you apply pressure? You either make diamonds or or you sort the BS from, from the real, right? Like, you can either handle it or you cannot. So, uh, you know, you could argue that the, the pressure applied, it led to change, which led to better results. So, um, you know, Dabo feels pressure and maybe his, you know, the pressure he feels, maybe that forced the change at quarterback and maybe Kate Klubnik's the, the next best thing. You know what I'm saying? So it, 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 pressure causes change, which a lot of times is a very good thing. But, um, you know, I, I, I thought all year that Spencer Rattler had it in him. Uh, again, I didn't expect him to go, go win the Heisman at South Carolina, but I knew he was going to be way better than anybody they had on the roster last year. And, uh, you know, so it, it's after that early, you know, the, 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 those early struggles. I mean, the, the red zone pick was, oh my god, that that one, that one hurt. That one, that was one that you felt like, man, if Carolina loses a close game, that's going to be an interception that just haunts you for years, right? And it would have been had they lost that football game. But uh, again, you, you got to give credit to Shane Beamer, Spencer Rattler himself for bouncing back, and that entire football team for just staying resilient and I mean you, you look at Beamer ball you look at the defense obviously and what they did bowing up in the second half and um just a really total team win I mean it was a, a total team win I know Rattler played well Antoine Wells was phenomenal but uh the entire team played their guts out and you know I, I know they're grateful and obviously we're grateful to come out on top but uh no you know what Rattler did the throws he made it, it didn't surprise me I, we saw the arm talent all year but it just kind of finally felt like guys in the last two weeks they finally took the handcuffs off and look what you get. So it had been so long for me. I personally forgot how, how bad it felt after losing <laughs> to South Carolina. Um, <laughs> and I know you, y'all coming off of the streak that Clemson had over y'all um, reminded me of, of back when, when y'all had the five streak on us, what is uh what does victory feel like after seven years or eight years, I guess. Uh, it, it's a mix of emotions. I, I've, I've smoked enough cigars to, yeah, my head was spinning for three or four days. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's obviously, man, when you, when you win a game and you win it like that, you win a rivalry. I mean, you guys know, right. You got a lot of experience doing it. It's, it's, you're elated. I mean, it's ecstatic. I'm, I'm so happy for Gamecock nation. And, you know, it, it's interesting guys, because, you know, I've had so many former players on, on my show and, and they'll tell you, I mean, winning the game's a big deal, but it's a bigger deal for the fans. I think than it is for anything. 
And uh, I was asked in the preseason, you know, that that's the time over the summer you play the hypothetical game. Would you rather win this one? Would you rather win this one? Would you? And I, I said that I'd rather beat Clemson than win some other game. And my whole reason was that I, just, I was like, just for the, the health of this fan base, like for the sanity of the fan base, right? Because this is a game to the people of this state. It means everything. I mean, you've got to live with this 365 days a year. There are households divided. You work with each other. You play with each other. You, I mean, you do everything together, right? You, you can't avoid each other. So for Gamecock fans, you know, and I'll tell you guys, a sigh of relief. For me, honestly, it was a sigh of relief. Just finally it's over. You know, and I, and I knew my mentions were going to be a mess either way, right? And I knew that if Carolina lost again, my, my mentions were going to be a disaster. And so it was <laughs> a bit of relief. Like, okay, this is a jubilant, joyous week, happiness, excitement uh, versus being down. I mean, it's, it, it's, that's the beauty of it though, right? That's why it's such an incredible game. That's what makes these great rivalries so great is it's, it is the jubilation and the joy of victory versus the pure agony and being sick for days, for weeks, you know, that defeat brings. So uh, that's what makes it so special. And I mean, Car Carolina's felt that a lot recently in the last, you know, that seven game losing streak, but to be on the other side, I mean, I, I know Gamecock fans are, having a lot of fun on social media and it's, it's, it's an exciting thing because it, you know, I thought my uh, Alex McGrath who comes on my live show every Tuesday, put it beautifully. It just felt like Carolina finally came out of this, this seven year pit they were in that Will Muschamp really dug them into. And, you know, it, 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 it's sweet because you snap the streak, you do it on the road and you feel like the trajectory of your program is benefited greatly, you know, in this one. Like, you know, Clemson still, I mean, I know it sucks for Clemson, but they're going to the ACC championship. Like, they could still win the conference. That's that's a big deal, right? Like, it's not like Clemson football is just going down the tube, right? I mean, but what? for Carol, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, they're not going to get in the playoff, but if they win the <laughs> ACC, you, 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 win a, you win a conference ring, which still means a lot. I, I don't care. You know, I, I know Carolina fans love to knock the conference, and every now and then I'll pick two, but – you know, I tell people that Clemson's biggest advantage, and I think the reason they were able to to elevate the program the way they were is that, you know, even when Carolina had won five in a row while they were winning outback bowls, Clemson was winning ACC titles. And that just goes, kids want to play for rings. They just do, you know, just it's it's the fact of the matter. So, but for Carolina to snap the streak and for the program to be on such a positive trajectory and do something never been done before, back-to-back -to -back top 10 wins and, and, you know, again, do it against your arch rival and, uh, you know, going into a, a nice Florida bowl game and, you know, God, if, even if you don't win that one, but if you do, obviously the hype train and the momentum that's being built. And then you look at recruiting and um, yeah, I mean, it's just a lot to feel good about. And I mean, again, guys, it goes without saying when, when you win your rivalry game, it's, it's uh, just pure jubilation. And again, I think it was a huge sigh of relief for Gamecock fans to finally snap that streak. And, and uh, you know, cause this was a game for a while, man, we, we just did not look forward to, we just did not look <laughs> forward to it. So now at least you feel like going into next year, like I said, I, I think there'll be a lot more, a lot more juice, a lot more excitement, the games in Columbia, um, especially if you can build off the hype and momentum, you know, who knows, Carolina might be a eight and three or, you know, God forbid a nine and two team or something like that coming in that game. I mean, who knows? We're a long way out, but um I think competitiveness coming back to the rivalry is a great thing for both sides. I, I really do. Mm -hmm. I just, because that was only the second time, I think, since 2008, the game had been decided by less than double digits. I mean, the games were just blowouts on both sides. So I think it would be great to have a healthy back and forth and 
you know, that's going to make it way more exciting for both sides. And again, it's easy to say that now. I mean, would I be mad if Carolina won 10 in a row? No, I would not. But I, I just think games like that are, are really awesome. And, and, and they, they just add to the lore and the history of that, you know, this great rivalry. So it's, uh, you know, for sure. I mean, long story short, it's, it's elation and joy and relief on the, the Gamecocks side of things. Yeah, I uh, just from what you said something earlier, I as tough as it is for me to say is I think it was healthy for the rivalry for South Carolina to finally get one back because it had been a long time and it was starting to feel like at least for Clemson fans. And I get you were kind of saying it like where you just kind of go in with your certain expectation of how it's going to go because of how the last six years have gone. But like you said, winning any rivalry game is elation even number seven in a row was elation oh yeah uh so but congratulations i'm really i'm really happy that south carolina was able to get this honestly i mean i I think that's why again people thought i was crazy over the summer for listing the game as a toss-up and you know i took a risk you know i put my name out there and was kind of like hey i got a weird feeling about the game and i and i I really wasn't because you know i'd never picked carolina in the history of the series or since i started doing my business i should say which is back in 2017. I'd never picked Carolina in the preseason, the week of the game, anything to to win that game. You know, even last year when, uh, for some reason, people thought I did pick us to win. <laughs> I picked Clemson like 20, 23 to 17 or something. I thought, you know, they were just more talented. They were better, what have you, even with the game being at Willie B at night. But I don't know, guys. I just, I had a weird feeling. I had a weird feeling about it. And I, I think I just, maybe I'm someone that I, I, I believe in Spencer Rattler a, a little too much. I, I don't know. I just really felt like the battle of the quarterbacks. I was like, you know what? If it comes down to the gunslingers, I think we got the upper hand. And it was a little higher score than I predicted, but I had 24 to 21. And so I wasn't too, too far off. But uh, I'm happy that the first time I ever picked victory, it, uh, I don't like a complete idiot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're 100% on the Clemson-South Carolina game since yeah, you started. Yeah, so I guess I got to start picking dubs every year. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, before we let you go, I did want to mix it up real quick because I'd, we actually do not follow you from the Nachos and Analysis account. I'm going to follow you now. But the one time a year that I typically pay attention to your content, and this week I did a lot, but usually it's during baseball season, during the Clemson baseball mm-hmm rivalry series what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on monty lee uh returning to carolina after getting fired from clemson yeah I'm, I'm a huge baseball guy guys i'm glad you bring that up and i you know i i think the rivalry on the hardwood is cool right but I, I tell you i get just as into the carolina clemson baseball series as i do the football game i mean really it's it's a i love it it's a huge deal it's got a super regional postseason feel every single year but yeah it's a, it's an interesting dynamic isn't it with with mm-hmm. monty Lee now on staff and you got Dylan Brewer and Jonathan French and Ricky Williams and it's almost like Carolina is like Clemson Jr. almost it's <clears throat> the rivalry series is going to be really interesting I mean mm-hmm. really you know with, with Backage there and I, I think Backage by the way I think Clemson made, made an incredible hire I, I thought they were I thought they were wise to move off Monty and I like Monty I, I really do um, you know I, I played ball myself and I was class of 09 in high school and went to Newberry and I, I had teammates though that played for Monty at College of Charleston. They got recruited by Monty at Carolina. And they, they, I've never heard anybody say anything but, but incredible things about him. And I'm, I'm really surprised that it didn't work for Monty Lee at Clemson. Um, so I was happy they brought him on staff. You know, he's a, he was a Gamecock first. So I, I was really happy to bring him home. Um, the Carolina baseball situation, though, I, you know, that series is important. I don't think that series is going to determine, you know, whether Kingston – you know, retains his job or not. I, th- I think he's got to make the super regionals and show real progress because I, you know, I, I wanted him going after last year, honestly, man, you, you go below 500 Carolina. I just, I don't, I don't think you should be in the dugout, but 
Um, that series, man, I mean, Friday night in Clemson, Saturday, I think, in Greenville, mm -hmm. and Sunday in Columbia, it'll be, yeah, I mean, Carolina got swept for the first time, I think, since like 97 last year. That was the first time last year Clemson had won the first two games of the series since like 02. I mean, it, it you know, there was some some uh, some history set and not positive for the boys in Garnet and Black. So, no, nah, that that series always delivers, man. It, it's it's to me, it's the best rivalry in all of college baseball, and it's it's uh it's always a blast to watch. And again, that's another one though, guys. I would say Carolina and Clemson both, man. They, they need to get back. I mean, it's just for both of those teams to not be ranked in the top twenty-five every year. I mean, it's just inexcusable. I mean, it, it makes no sense. So. I think Backage was a good hire for you guys. I, I think he'll have Clemson back in no time. And I think he Kingston's either going to get him going or he's going to get going real quick. So uh, speaking of speaking of fire merch, we got the fire Kingston stuff lined up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, but uh, you know, there's a standard for Carolina baseball and it, you know, you, you, you just, there's some things you just can't accept. You know what I mean? That, that's the one sport on campus that there are real outside of women's basketball. There are real championship expectations though. And, but, you know, I, I always look forward to that series, guys. It's I, I truly do love it. I think the rivalry, I mean, I've, I'm as nervous during that weekend as I literally am during, like, like for example, the football game over the weekend. It, it's mm -hmm. a blast, so can't wait for it. Yeah, I, t I tell Matthew all the time, I, I've grown up going to Clemson football games my entire life, but I – I'm starting to wonder if I'm a Clemson baseball fan more so than I am a Clemson football fan. It's, and it, like you said, it's it's a shame that these top two these top programs are not where they where they were. And I I agree. I think Backage mm -hmm. was a really good hire here at Clemson. And I, I've heard this theory kind of floated out there. What are your thoughts on Monty Lee kind of being the the head coach and waiting if uh, Kingston does get fired this year? Yeah, that, that I don't know how much you know truth there is of that. It's an interesting dynamic. Uh, I like Monty Lee a lot, but you know, I I don't know. I don't. I mean, maybe maybe they did. Maybe they did bring him in for that reason. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how those two work together. It's like you've got co-head coaches. So, but either way, I'm, I'm just happy Monty's back in the Carolina dugout. Yeah, yeah, and it's a weird dynamic for the Lee family because uh, his wife is still the uh, Rally Cats coach here at Clemson. So half her <laughs> half her uh, timeline is posting supporting him and posting Carolina stuff and the other half is uh the Clemson Rally Cat so it's a weird dynamic <laughs> interesting for sure but you know at that point man you're just kind of loyal to who's signing the checks and I oh, can't yeah. blame him man it's it's a business at that point so you know coach Lee's got to do what he's got to do but you know again happy he happy he's back in the Carolina dugout absolutely well Chris we appreciate you coming on and uh, uh to our listeners if you don't follow Spurs up y'all give them a follow yeah, for sure. I appreciate you guys, man. Absolute Absolutely. pleasure. Thanks. Until next year. If you are a Clemson fan who wants uh, to follow a, a Carolina account, if you don't already follow Spurs Up, um, as I mentioned to him in there, there at the interview, we have not followed him, but I officially followed him during the podcast interview, so I'm going <laughs> to be paying more attention to his stuff. So uh, He thanks. might make you mad, though, so be careful. Yeah, he's good at his <laughs> he's good at his job. He he gets people worked up and he trolls a lot of people. Uh, but yeah, yes, yeah, just uh, pay attention. All right, next the TigerNet College Football Poll. Each week, Matthew and I participate in the poll uh, that TigerNet puts on with Clemson Media, uh, and then compares our results with the College Football Playoff Committee. Matthew and I already kind of gave away where we put Clemson in this week's poll. But what was your top ten this week, Matthew? Uh, I'm sticking pretty close with the um, with the playoff committee, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC and Ohio State at five. Uh, I do have Alabama at six. 
these these three teams are kind of all just all in the same area in my head is Alabama, Penn State and Tennessee. I know Tennessee has the head to head against Alabama and better wins. So honestly, I probably should have ranked Tennessee higher, but Alabama, Penn State, Tennessee. And then I put Kansas State at nine and Washington at 10 just to get any team in there above Clemson. I've been riding for uh, Kansas State all year, so I'll keep it up. And they have a good chance to uh, to uh, give TCU a run for their money this weekend, so that should be a good game. Uh, my top ten, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Ohio State 4, USC 5, Alabama 6, Penn State 7, Tennessee 8, Washington 9, and Clemson 10 to round out the top ten there. Uh, where did you put Florida State? I had them at 11, just behind Clemson. Um, I put Florida State at 12, actually. Okay. We're right around the same spot with that one. Any thoughts on the college football playoff? You th- what do you think? So right now we're sitting at um, the top four with uh, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Ohio State. Do, do these teams make it easy for the committee and just all four went out this week, or do you see somebody? Well, it's uh, uh, USC, not Ohio State, but... Oh, yeah, sorry, I'm reading my no, you're personal fine. poll. You're fine. I kind of expect it to be an uneventful weekend as far as the top four goes. Uh, I know I said I was riding with Kansas State, but we'll we'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Since we're not really in the run right now, I'm not paying that much attention to the top four. I think USC at four is the right call over Ohio State. Ohio State nor Michigan really had that good of wins before they played each other. And Michigan won that head-to-head, so Ohio State hasn't really done anything to get above USC to me. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think anyone other than TCU is likely to lose this week, but and even still, I don't know. Maybe that's just my belief that I've discussed the last couple of weeks where I don't think TCU is going to make it through this season undefeated. So, well, I don't know. We'll see. They've yeah, one more beaten, week. <laughs> yeah, they've already beaten Kansas State once. That's what I kind of keep coming back to is it's hard to, be, hard to beat the same team twice. So, I don't know. It'll be kind of interesting watching the championship games this week for the first time in a long time. Clemson's playing in a conference championship game, but there's no playoff implications uh, as far as the Tigers go. So they win, they get the Orange Bowl, they lose. Who knows? Back Let's to the Cheez It Bowl. Just put it. If we lose, just put us in the Duke's Mayo Bowl because I would love <laughs> the memes and all of that stuff. And it'd we be, could get Juan back on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fact or fiction? Fact or fiction? Fact or fiction, Davo's response to the media and fans when asked about Streeter, the offense, DJ, etc. this week is a bit concerning and a slap in the face of the fan base. I kind of already talked about this at the very beginning of the show, but this big facts here. I'm not going to go too into it because I've kind of already talked about it, but Davo protects these grown men like they're his kids. And I understand that since they're young and inexperienced, they're kind of a reflection of him. But the best leaders can still admit when they make a mistake and admit when there needs to be improvement. So, yeah, big facts here. It's kind of worrying that there might not be any accountability going on in the coach's room, and we won't know if there is. I'm going to agree and disagree with you. I'm going to say fact that is concerning. Anytime a head coach kind of comes out and makes kind of comments about the fan base and that kind of stuff, 
it's not a good look. One thing I will say, and I think this is a pretty, I don't know, well-known or well-documented thing about Dabo is he will criticize behind closed doors, but he will praise you publicly. So uh, I was actually listening to Mickey Plyler's show Monday morning, and he was referencing, uh, he couldn't remember exactly what offensive alignment was, but it was a couple years ago, and he praised this particular offensive lineman in the press conference saying that he's going to be a, a special player, a big, important role on the team and that sort of stuff. And someone uh, texted Mickey right after Dabo said that in the press conference, uh, who apparently had been at practice that weekend, whoever that player was, apparently Dabo was ripping into him and giving him a new <laughs> one the entire time to the point where the guy felt so bad uh, for that player. Uh, so as a fan, it's frustrating to hear Dabo talk like that, so I'm going to say fact, but I do think there's a lot of accountability. Dab, one thing about Dab, Dabo does not like to lose. And um, and to be fair, Dabo does usually try to keep most punishment, like most internal stuff inside. Like mm-hmm. he he's not going to publicize it, like you just said. Like if the player's having a bad time, he might be on them, and you know he puts off the whole holy image and stuff but you know and but people have said like you know and you've seen videos like every once in a while he's out there like cussing at practice and stuff like he's not he's putting on a front for the for the media i believe yeah his all shucks mentality has fooled a lot of clemson fans too i don't let how he appears in the media not to say that Dabo's like a bad guy or some kind of two-faced uh coach or anything but he does what he needs to do when he's with his players and his team. That's who he's responsible he's to. A, he's a salesman, mm-hmm. so he's making a sale on in the media. Yeah. And I'll just go ahead and interrupt here with our Gerald reference for the week. Gerald was selling hard on Saturday for that parking space in the tailgate lot. <laughs> There's been a tailgate spot open beside us for was it, two or three years and they've never shown up and they finally showed up Saturday. And the second they got out of the car, he met him was like, what can we do to like get this uh, parking spot from you? <laughs> I mean, maybe they shouldn't have shown up because if they haven't shown up in three years, then, and that's the game they show up for. Yeah, we need we'll, to buy them out of their IPTA points too. Yeah. We'll, we'll put them, uh, we'll put that loss on them. <laughs> All right. Next one, the wide receiver room is the worst under Dabo Sweeney, the current wide receiver room we have right now. This is also big facts. Uh, When I was looking through previous rosters and stats, uh, 2017 is the only competitor that came to me initially. Like the first thing that came to my mind, because we were going through the transition from Mike Williams to like a dominant T Higgins. I think T Higgins might've been on that 2017 team, but he was a true freshman. And Deion Kane and Ray Ray McLeod, like Hunter Renfro also, but they were our three leading receivers that year. And I guess Ray Ray McLeod is kind of doing okay in the league right now, but uh, those aren't really who you want to be your dominant receivers at wide receiver you. Uh, but 2010 also is close. Other than DeAndre Hopkins as a freshman on that team, he was the leading receiver on that team. Here's just a random trivia question. Do you know who the second leading receiver on the 2010 team was in terms of receptions, not yards? In terms of receptions, 2000. It's not going to be a player that you can, that you like. It's not a receiver. I'll tell you that. Um, what bowl game do we play in that year? Cause that's how I relate everything. Do you remember? 
2010, we were six and seven. Was that the Music City Bowl? Oh, yeah, no, that was uh, Meineke Car Care Bowl. I was at that game. Um, okay. Kyle Parker was our quarterback, correct? Um, I think so. Adam Humphreys? Was he no. on the team then? <laughs> I, he might have been. I don't know. But I, it wasn't a receiver. It was Jamie Harper. Oh, number yes, eight, the, run, the, the like power running back who fumbled against uh, Alabama. The first game of the season. In 2009. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, that yeah. Jamie Harper was the second leading receiver in terms of receptions that year with DeAndre Hopkins, obviously one of the great, the best receivers in the NFL right now as a true freshman, as an 18 year. So 18 year old DeAndre Hopkins and Jamie Harper. Uh, that's probably competing <laughs> with it. <laughs> that's probably competing with this group also. Yeah. And Jamie Harper and Kyle Parker. Parker were not the same after that um, Auburn game that year when Kyle Parker got that cheap shot on him. But Harper did make an amazing diving catch. Oh yeah, we almost game. beat we almost beat Auburn that year, and then they won the national championship. So it wasn't even all that bad, even going six and seven. <laughs> yeah, just losing to South Florida in the Miney Key Car Care Bowl that was the worst part of it. So that that was my very first bowl game experience, and it wasn't fun. So <laughs> uh, on this one, I'm also going to say fact. Uh, you did a lot more research than I did. And the thing about this one is, is there were some dudes that were recruited to this wide receiver room. We've lost some. Dakari Collins officially enters the transfer portal this week. I think there's some kind of rule that you have to wait till the end of the season now. Uh, but he did that the other day. Uh, we lost a Joe, a Joe, and somebody else. Oh, uh, Ladson to Miami. Yeah. Um, on top of who we already have here. I think that whether it be injuries which are out of the control of the players the under development of these guys far this is the worst wide receiver group and not even when they're being targeted but they can't half the time be trusted to, to block for us to be able to bounce a run to the outside if you notice sat, uh, saturday every first down what do we do hand the ball right off the middle part of it was field position but i think a lot of it is just the ball I, I agree fact this is the worst yeah. under Dabo Sweeney and the worst part about that is is I was excited about a lot of these receivers when they were coming in recruiting like Joe Nada was high rated Bo Collins I was excited about having the high school chemistry with DJ EJ Williams came from the same high school Justin Ross went to I was excited about EJ Williams I was really excited about Dakari Collins I thought he was going to be really good Frank Latson never really developed that much but yeah it's just it's disappointing you gotta either you missed on all your receivers and recruiting or you're not developing so something has to change yeah agreed all right factor fiction Cade Klubnik makes an appearance this Saturday in the ACC championship this I think this might be the first episode where I went all fact but I said fact again I'm not really into like subbing QBs in and out unless you're like game planning for it. Like South Carolina did that where they sub in to carry on joiner at quarterback instead of Rattler for some wildcat type plays. But at this point in the season, I think even fans agree that Hunter Johnson deserves a shot. And I kind of thought it was a little, this is another thing Dabo did that made me mad recently was asked about if they ever considered putting Hunter Johnson in to take a snap. And he laughed and said, no. And I'm like, this is still a five-star recruit. Like, this, he has experience. I'm sure he can go let it fly some. Like, just give him 
just give him no rules, let him go out and sling the ball around, and it has to be better than what we have now. <laughs> um, I'm going to say fiction. We're not going to see Klubnik. Uh, Dabo has uh, he's made that clear this week that DJ's still the starter. I agree with you that swapping in and out is not the way to go. Uh, we've seen that uh, fail this year against Notre Dame. Um, on the Johnson thing, I don't think and I don't think Hunter ever intended to even play. Yeah, I don't necessarily think so year. either. I think he pretty much came back to be a grad assistant, but mm-hmm. on the roster, which I mean, yeah, I understand that. But at the same time, when you're having QB struggles, you might want to look at getting somebody else ready. Yeah, my thing is here, and I know DJ got a lot of heat this week. It was definitely not his best game. He was he was off when he was on. Receivers were dropping passes. Um, sometimes he was getting pressured. One thing that I just think fans need to remember: I, they watch these quarterbacks every day in practice. I, they've they've brought Clemson two national championships plenty of ACC championships, a lot of wins. Uh, I trust them to make the quarterback decision. So uh, I'm not broken up about DJ continuing to be the starter. Do I think DJ will be the starter uh, next year if he were to choose to come back? No, I think it's Cade Klubnik's team next year. Uh, But I don't think we see Cade this Saturday. See, what you were saying earlier about Dabo has made it clear that DJ is the starter for the rest of the year. But as the week has kind of gone on, there has been a little bit more of that, like, oh, well, maybe we'll think about it. Like, it's it's gone from no to maybe to I think we're eventually going to get to see him in some series here. And maybe it'll just be Dabo trying to prove something to the fans, like be like, see, I told you, like, put him in the worst <laughs> situations ever and be like, I told you, like, it's not him. But Mm, I don't know. I did want to switch something up today. Uh, I wrote a factor fiction for you. All right. Factor fiction. Clemson must run the ball 50 or more times to have a chance <laughs> at winning on Saturday. I'm going to say fiction. Um, <laughs> as, bad, as bad as our um, uh, passing game has been uh, of late, um, North Carolina's defense is like water through a colander. Um, so I don't think Clemson will have the, uh, the trouble I don't think Clemson will have trouble moving the ball, whether it be Lancey or air on Saturday, but, um, I definitely think we're going to see more running than passing. Definitely not 50 times though. (laughs) (laughs) See, I I was thinking about this and I was like, if we come out throwing the ball as much as we did, like just going back and imagining going into the fourth quarter with your quarterback being seven for 33, like to let it get past that point is kind of insane to me. Mm-hmm. So I think if we could have beat South Carolina by 40, if we would have ran the ball every single play, uh, we could have just lined up, put 10 offensive linemen on the field and a running back and one, but yeah. we couldn't, we didn't do it. So we try. we insisted on passing every play. All right, week 14 picks. Heading into this championship week, Matthew has a two-point lead on me. I got to catch up. So, Matthew, what is your favorite pick this week? All right, I was riding Kansas State all season, but this is what I was hinting at going forward. I'm picking TCU as my favorite. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites against Kansas State. 
at the noon game in the Big 12 championship. Uh, big fan of Kansas State and a few of their players, but I think TCU is going to have something to prove, and they want to prove that they can get into the playoff as an undefeated team, and I kind of hope they do it. All right. I did consider that one, uh, but it may come back around here in a little bit. But I went with Utah-USC, also a two-and-a-half-point spread. USC, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I just think USC is probably a seven to eight point better team here. So uh, look for USC to win their Pac-12 championship. And on to underdog, I kind of am going with a similar strategy of picking a big spread. I'm picking LSU uh, plus 17 and a half versus UGA. Like I said, I don't think LSU is going to win this game, but... They might cover, and I kind of just want some chaos now. Like, now that Clemson is out of the playoff contention for good, let's just see some chaos and see what see what can happen. <laughs> All right. I wouldn't mind that. Uh, I'm going with your uh, favorite pick, Kansas, uh, two-and-a-half-point uh, underdog to TCU. Like I mentioned earlier, it's hard to beat a team twice in a season, I think Kansas State gets it done, and the Horn Frogs are not in the college football playoff. Very interesting. At least we'll have a point swing at yeah. some point here. Um, moving on to over, I'm going with the Big Ten Championship. Uh, Michigan versus Purdue, plus or minus 52. I'm just kind of throwing darts at the wall now, honestly, at this point in the season. Yeah, with we conference had, championships, I feel like I was looking through the games. I was like, there's not that many games. Like, you just kind of have to throw something out there at this point. So, plus or minus 52 in the Big Ten, or on, above 52 in the Big Ten championship. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Not as many games to choose from this week. It made it a lot more difficult. I was going back and forth on a lot of them. Uh, for my overpick, I am going with uh, UCF and Tulane over 56 and a half points. They're both averaging around 30-some-odd points a game, so uh, look for a lot of offense in this game. And speaking of a lot of offense, or the lack thereof, uh, I know they hurt me last week, but I'm going with the uh, Sun Belt. Aren't they in the Sun Belt? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Sun Belt Championship. Uh, Coastal Carolina versus Troy, plus or minus 48. 48's really low, but I feel like it's low for a reason, and... Coastal only scored seven points last week, so it's a possibility. I don't think Troy has ever had an explosive offense. No, maybe that one year, <laughs> a couple of years ago, but yeah. Or that one team that just about beat Clemson a few years back. The year we won the national championship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for my under, I'm sticking with the mighty, mighty SEC and that great defense that they always <laughs> like to talk about, LSU, Georgia. Um 51 points. I think there um a lot of points are going to be scored and they're going to be scored by Georgia. LSU after that loss to Texas A&M last week. Uh I don't know that they have much to look forward to. So, going Georgia here. Uh, Georgia I, I LSU just think, over 51. Yeah, I I picked LSU in the underdog just cuz of the chaos factor, so uh maybe they'll win it into existence. Maybe they'll win, but they'll still score less than 51 combined. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Clemson and North Carolina talking points. Like Chris mentioned when he was on the show, yeah, it kind of sucks losing to South Carolina, but Clemson still has a lot to play for. 
Um, we got a conference championship here. And um, so I'm looking forward to this game. One thing that uh, I do want to do want to mention that I, that I feel bad about Matthew, I will be at the game in, in the press box. The, the they just flat out dissed Matthew with his application <laughs> and denied him. I have a theory that it's that you left a negative review at Mercedes at <laughs> about how they didn't have any vegan food in the press box. Hey, and... I did it at Clemson too. I guess <laughs> none of our listeners except for our family know it, but I'm vegan and don't eat animal products. But uh, we went to. Georgia Tech game in Mercedes-Benz and there was nothing that I could eat there out of all of the food that they served. I still ate something just I forget. Like I hope some they, cheese off of like some vegetables. Uh, some pasta. I was hoping that <laughs> the animals would forgive me, but uh they're probably already Then we there. went to Clemson and we were sat in the press box for what was that game? Was that Furman? Furman, yeah. yeah. So for the Furman game we sat in the press box and so they actually literally had nothing like even the potato chip bags that they put out had milk in them. So I put it, <laughs> I put in another complaint about the Clemson one. And the next time we were in there, they had different chip brands that didn't have milk in them. So I think they I listened and they that. had, and they had Brussels sprouts out there. Um, oh, those were good. Yeah, they were really good. And uh, they had Brussels sprouts and those a different chip brand. So I think they might have listened to me and tried to be more inclusive about that. So there you go. Maybe your your complaints were heard. Uh, the nice <laughs> but thing not, about not by not by uh, Bank of America Stadium. No, no. <laughs> um, the the nice thing about sitting in the, the press area for the Georgia Tech game at Mercedes Benz was that game was sponsored by Chick-fil-A. So. Um, I probably had three chicken sandwiches up there and then they gave us all free chicken sandwich vouchers, which you gave me yours. So I was pleased with the menu there. Um, this week's ACC championship is sponsored by Subway. Yeah, uh, I, I hope they don't have Subway. In the press box, <laughs> I actually, I really... This is completely random, but I read a tweet today that said uh, every Subway has the vibe that um, somebody committed suicide inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking about this with my dad the other day and like growing up Subway was like the only like sandwich place we went to. So that was all I knew. And I thought I liked it until I like branched out and had Jimmy John's and Jersey Mike's and that kind of stuff. And about six months ago, I guess it was just convenient and it was right there. I don't remember, but for some reason I went to Subway. It was disgusting. <laughs> it was so bad. It was definitely convenient because I don't know if you know this, but Subway is the um nation's leader in most restaurants yes it's the cheapest franchise to open up is it i thought mm -hmm. chick-fil-a was it was just hard to get approved for it i think chick-fil-a is really expensive i thought it was I, only like i thought you only had to have like five thousand dollars liquid to open chick-fil-a it's just like the approval process of who they approve is really tough maybe that might you might be right about that i do remember reading a headline that it's easier to get into harvard than it is to get accepted to open chick-fil-a <laughs> So, uh, but enough with our fast food talk. Uh, yes, the ACC championship is sponsored by Subway. Please don't come for us. Honestly, I wish it was sponsored by Duke's Mayonnaise because uh, I was jealous jealous of all the media members last year that got a free jar of Duke's Mayonnaise sitting <laughs> at their seat when they got there. I do love me some Duke's Mayonnaise. But um, Clemson faces North Carolina. This is um, – the second time they will be facing the Tar Heels in the ACC championship. Uh, overall, Clemson leads the series 38-19 to 19 with one tie. Uh, they've played each other twice on a neutral field, and the Tigers are 2-0 in those games. 
Uh, the last meeting was the 28th in two, uh, 28th of September in 2019, and Clemson squeaked out a win, 21 to 20. I was watching that on my phone uh, at the Biltmore House last that year, and it was absolutely brutal. I did not want to be at the Biltmore House, and to top it all off, Clemson was playing horribly. So that was not a fun time. But the Tigers did win it. They're on a four-game win streak against the Tar Heels. After Clemson's six-year streak of ACC titles ended in 2021, uh, the number nine Tigers will attempt to reclaim the conference crown and earn their seventh title in eight years when they face uh, number 23 North Carolina uh, this weekend in the ACC championship. This was one of the biggest... Well, I guess I'll backtrack a little bit. I almost sent you a Twitter poll for the week, but I was too late when I thought of it. I wanted to ask Clemson fans, what streak is are you most upset about losing? Is it the home streak or is it the streak to South Carolina? But speaking of streaks is why I wanted to say something about this point specifically. Before, is, before you say that, I will say I'm more disappointed in that 40 game streak. Yeah, me too. Like I the the eight game, the streak against South Carolina was going to end no matter what. But the home, I wish we could have done it. I wish we would have lost on the road at least. Like <laughs> that, that home win streak was really riding. But anyway, so um, I was really excited last year uh, going into the season because uh, Clemson could have made their seventh consecutive ACC championship, or yeah, seven, and that would have made uh, last year or the year before that. I mean, 2019. No, I'm talking about the 2020 season. Sorry. The 2020 season, James Skowski broke the record for most ACC championship games played in with six. And I was like, nobody is obviously ever going to be able to beat this. But James Skowski has the opportunity to do it for seven. And obvious, nobody is ever going to beat that. So I was really disappointed last year. That was one streak that I was really upset about uh, losing last year, not making the ACC championship. This, this stat just reminded me of that. Yeah. And to that point on, on Skalski, I found this to be really interesting. Uh, after Clemson had all those appearances in the ACC championship, they have they missed one last season. They've been out of it for one year, returning to it. Clemson only has one player on the team right now on three ACC championship games. Could you guess who that is? One player on the team right now. Has and that's three. the most. ACC championship. Drew Sweeney? Or no. <laughs> I don't know how old Drew Sweeney is. He feels like he's been here for way too long. BT Potter. Oh, well, okay. That that makes sense. It, it makes sense, but it like confused me. I'm like, there was literally nobody else that played in the other ones. Like, he was played in three ACC championship games. And I guess that's just as a result of them missing one last year. So uh, Clemson's attempting to become the first program to win 21 ACC top. Um, if they do win Saturday, it would be their 27th conference championship of all time. Uh, they're attempting to tie for 10th most conference titles among current FBS. One thing of note, Utah is playing for a conference championship this weekend. So if they were to win, they would move to 28th uh, and Clemson would not uh, tie them. Uh, Clemson's attempting to become the first program 
in an active Power Five conference to win seven outright conference titles in an eight-year span since Alabama did it in 1971 to 1979. Hard to believe that these Alabama teams um, have not done that. You have to go all the yeah. way back to the 70s. I was just going to say that exact same thing, like to go back to the 70s for that to happen and to think of Alabama's recent reign, complete domination of college football pretty much. Or um, even um, or even a Oklahoma team. Too, yeah, true, because so. they won a lot in a row too. Mm-hmm. All right, so that other one really wasn't a trivia question, but this is the official trivia question for you, Matthew. Clemson is 27-13 and 13 all-time in games played in the month of December. They're currently on a December game win streak. How many games have the Tigers won consecutively in the month of December? Or you could give me a year that you think that it started or the last time they lost in December. Um... Last loss in December that's coming to mind is Alabama 2017, but that game might have been played on January 1st. It before was. Before they moved the playoff, the semifinals, to the New Year's Eve. So You're correct with that. That was the worst New Year's Eve and New Year's Day that I've had <laughs> in my young life. Hey, at least you were in New Orleans. Did you go out or anything after that game? Uh, we went out on New Year's. The best cover band I've ever seen in my life was <laughs> was in in, uh, in New Orleans. Oh wait, sorry. I think you unhighlighted the answer, so I just oh. looked at it. So I'm not going <laughs> to give another guess. <laughs> that was uh, an error on my part. But they are Clemson is currently on a 15 game win streak of the month of December, dating back to 2011 when the Tigers beat Virginia Tech in the ACC championship game. It was 2010. So their last uh, probably would have been no. No, because they didn't play in December in 2010. You didn't play in 2009 then. It might have been. That was the Monty Car Care Bowl, right? 2010. So that. Oh, but. Oh, yeah, that that was was in December. Yeah, that was in December 2010 then. So I was thinking it could have been 2009 ACC championship game against Georgia Tech that you mentioned earlier. But I was actually at that game. That's the first. ACC championship game I ever went to and Clemson lost, even though if you look at the record sheet, Clemson still lost, but there is no champion. There is no winner for that game. <laughs> so I think I think it's a draw. Um, but yeah, I swore off going to ACC championship games for 10 years uh, because of that game, because me, my dad, our uncle Freddie and Holland, uh, went down to Jacksonville when the ACC championship game was down in Jacksonville and we went down and watched that game. It was horrible. I didn't go to another one until we beat Virginia in 2020. That was the first ACC championship game I had been to since 2009 because I I had the opportunity (laughs) every year, but I refused. I was like, remember what happened in 2009? I was actually thinking of that Virginia um, ACC championship matchup this week. Uh, Sunday, we went to my brother and my dad and I went to the Panthers game and we were sitting the literal last row of Bank (laughs) of America Stadium and climbing up those stairs. One thing, that stadium is smaller than Death Valley, but their stairs are steeper Um, (laughs) and it was a rough hike up there. But uh, that Clemson, Virginia game, Emily and I were sitting way high in the upper deck and the guy sitting behind her 
we were on the end of the row as he was getting up you know how those chairs have like cup holders built into the back of them he was getting up and his foot caught it and my worst fear i've ever seen in my whole life was flashing before my eyes dude just pummeled down the stairs and i saw it happen instantly and i like grabbed emily's head and like ducked it down because i knew she did not want to see it and but then the he ended up being all right he came back up like 20 minutes later with a hole in his jeans like a bloody elbow and like a, <laughs> a massive gash on the side of his head and he was like they were trying to kick me out they thought i was drunk i just tripped <laughs> so he ended up surviving by yeah, i was thinking about that game the other that day is a lifelong fear of mine also <laughs> like yeah I can very distinctly remember sitting at the top of the Clemson Stadium as a very small child thinking like, what if I fell down? And then also like one of the very distinct early memories in my life was at the 2004 Peach Bowl game against Tennessee after Clemson had a pretty a decent season, but you beat number three Florida State that season. And then you're playing number six Tennessee in the Peach Bowl that year. Uh, when Dwayne Coleman, that's a throwback name for all you listeners out there. When Dwayne Coleman scored the first touchdown of that game, my dad picked me up and we were in the upper, we were in the 300 section. He picked me up and we were like jumping up and down. And I was like looking down the whole time he was picking me up and I was like, oh my God, this is so bad. Like, I do not want to do this. <laughs> Put me down. <laughs> yeah, that's i I'm not scared of heights. I'm not scared of a lot of things, but that has always, uh, cross my mind sitting in the those upper decks um row cc shout out yeah shout out row cc um the tigers have faced seven different in acc championship games they've only played one team twice and that was virginia tech in 2011 and 2016 uh saturday that will mark the second uh, team the multiple times and that would be north carolina in 2015 and then again this saturday is 30 and 7 in games following a loss under Dabo Sweeney, including season openers following a loss in the previous season finale. So uh, I think we brought this point up against Notre Dame. Uh, Dabo does a good job after a loss and getting this team uh, back on track. Uh, and according to research assistance provided by Stats Perform, Clemson's 152 games since losing back to back games in a single season is the nation's longest active streak. So Stats like those two make you feel a little bit better heading into this weekend. Uh, a couple of moments in this series with North Carolina. In 1981, the Tigers won uh, by the score of 10 to 8 against the Tar Heels. And it was the first meeting of top 10 ACC teams in the history of the conference as Clemson was undefeated and ranked second in the nation and the Tar Heels 7 and 1 ranked 8th. And then in 2014, one of my favorite Deshaun Watson games of all time, threw for six touchdown passes, uh, a Clemson record, and the Tigers won by a score of 50 to 35. And I can't remember what North Carolina player it was, but I do remember a stat coming out or a, a quote coming out after that game where he was talking about when he stepped out onto the field, he said the ground was literally shaking. Um, that was a, a raucous environment for some reason. I don't know why. In that game, Emily and I sat on the visitor side upper deck. Not really sure why that happened. And speaking of steep stairs, that side is definitely a lot steeper than it the is. Home it's side higher too. Mm. It's higher too. I think it goes up to like double F or something, and we only go up to double C on our side. So there was oh, there was something you said. Oh, that game. Also, it's kind of uh, a coincidence that Deshaun Watson makes his return to the NFL this week. 
It uh, is, and I love that the NFL has a sense of humor and the fact that his first game back is against the Texas this Sunday. It was almost it was almost wait. No, the Browns are on the AFC too. I think even whenever they originally put out the six week uh suspension, that week seven was against the Texans also. I'm not sure about that, but I do remember like thinking about that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just thinking of that original. I don't even know. I don't know who they play. I just going off. I remember seeing that at one point. So maybe I, mean, I, I don't follow the Cleveland Browns at all, but I guess I'm going to have to start to. Nor do I. Um, <laughs> I haven't I, followed the Cleveland Browns since Connor Shaw was their quarterback. I meant to mention that to Chris that I that we have one thing in common that we're Connor Shaw fans. Yeah, I I debated whether or not to ask or tell him the story that we discussed last week about the exorcism that we conducted. <laughs> uh, no, he would he back. would never come back on our show again. <laughs> so I just tweeted this out as we were um, recording this, but uh, a couple on this date stats: the ACC championship will put, be played on December third, um, and two big moments on December third for the Tigers: Clemson. In 2011, won its first ACC title in 20 years when it won 38 to 10 over Virginia Tech. They beat Virginia Tech twice that year. Um, and then in 2016, Clemson won its second consecutive in that streak of ACC championship games, uh, 42 to 35, also against Virginia Tech. Um, so, uh, a big day for Clemson uh, in the history of the ACC championships there. So. Especially against Virginia Tech. Especially against Virginia <laughs> Tech. So uh, I say I tweeted this out during the the episode. It's scheduled to tweet in three sec or three minutes. So by the time our listeners listen to this, they will have seen the tweet. It, it will go out while we're recording. So Yes. All right, Clemson and North Carolina score predictions. How are we feeling about this game, Matthew? <laughs> I don't know if I want to go first here, but I'm going to take a <laughs> take a little page out of Chris Phillips book from the Spurs Up show, friend of the show, Notchite. Uh, 31-21 UNC. Ooh. I don't understand. I don't see how we're going to be able to go from not stopping a mid-tier offense to stopping a high-level offense. And uh, Clemson may move the ball better because UNC's defense is bad. But the turnover bug is not gone. And that's going to be a problem. And I don't expect it to automatically clear up in this one week because it hasn't in the last five weeks. So uh, the only time I've ever in our entire history of pick em contests that I've had a gut feeling of picking against Clemson was the Notre Dame game last year. Uh, I really wanted to pick Notre Dame, but I just stuck to my guns and picked Clemson instead. And we we all know how that game went. So uh, I'm just going to stick with my gut here. And I don't think it's that big of a thing. It's not that bad for Clemson to lose this ACC championship. It might spur on lo- some changes within the organization. Uh, we're obviously not at the highest level that we've been for the last few years. So... I want everything to happen to force that change to happen. Before I give my score prediction, um, with that said, do you think even if Clemson loses this game, does Dabo Sweeney make any coaching changes? No, we would have to lose the bowl game also, I think. To lose three in a row, and Dabo maybe never has lost three in a row, 
other than maybe in 2010, which I'm not sure about, but to lose three in a row and if the offense isn't able to get anything going, that's a big problem and he you have to recognize it at that point that you've been coaching this program for 15 years and never lost this many games in a row. Obviously, mm-hmm. teams are figuring out what you're doing and able to stop it very easily. So not saying I'm hoping for the worst, but I'm prepared for it. Does Nacho's analysis put out fire street shirts or are we just like... No, I was literally the... thinking about that as he said, <laughs> as he said... I might need to start making fire streeter shirts. I almost wanted to ask him for like the trademark for it because we're, we're about to get into the merch game soon. And I think we could get some, we could get some, uh, you know, grassroots behind that movement. (laughs) I'm gonna, um, I'm going to show some optimism here with my pick. I think that, um, I, I really like those stats about Clemson loss. Um, I'm going with Clemson 37, North Carolina 28. That kind of goes along with the point spread and uh, that sort of thing. I think that, yeah, the Notre Dame game should have been a wake-up call for this team. and It kind of was at some point. Like I feel like after that game, we did improve offensively, but Mm -hmm. then the last two weeks happened. Yeah. I I don't know. I think this one hurts a lot more than it did the Notre Dame game. Obviously there's a lot of competitors in that locker room. They don't want to lose, but uh, losing to your rival at home, that's the big thing that, that uh, Chris kept referencing. And that's a big thing to me. They came in a death Valley, which you heard it from me last week that I predicted that it was the loudest noon death Valley game in a long time. I don't know if that's the case or not, but that's that's a big thing that sucks about that and the fact that you you're on a losing streak to Carolina now and have to go to Williams Bryce Stadium next year. All of that said, I think that this loss, this one point loss, where the coaches know that they could have done things better, the team knew that they could play better. I, I don't know. I, I think they're gonna come out and, and get the victory this weekend in Charlotte. I mean I'm, I'm hoping so. Yeah, I mean I'm obviously not picking hoping that UNC wins, but I'm just going with my gut here. I don't, if Clemson can surprise me, I'd rather go in with low expectations than <laughs> high ones. Cause I went well, in with high expectations. I thought the South Carolina game was going to be easy for us. Like literally all we had to do was run the ball and it was going to be easy. And we proved incapable of that. So yeah, that first half looked like it was going to be that way, but uh second half happened. Uh, but it was really funny. Sorry to cut you off again, but it was really funny that Chris mentioned that about um, the uh, what's his name? Jake Bentley, uh, the Jake Bentley pick six that uh, Ryan Carter had on him in 20, uh, 2017 or 2019. One of those two years. Uh, I had the exact same feeling when that happened is like that pick six happened. I was like, oh, we're in their heads. Jake, Jake Bentley is Spencer Rattler like. It's over, but we didn't. The, our problem was we didn't have Hunter Renfro to juke everybody on the field to start the <laughs> second half. We and didn't have the athleticism thing. of Hunter Renfro on the on the field. Yeah, that was when I knew that it was not a good thing when, when that first drive after the second half. But let's not harp on the South Carolina game. Let's move on. To I'm our gonna I'm gonna north. harp on it for a year. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's switch our focus to the guys up north and. Uh, uh, Chapel Hill, uh, the Tigers face them uh, in the subway 
ACC championship game. Not really excited about that, but hey, it's another championship. It's orange britches. This was something that I had hadn't thought about. When was the last time Clemson lost in all orange? Because I hadn't worn all orange in a couple of years. I don't feel like right. No, it must have been. It must have been the 2015 Alabama game. Yeah. Uh, in the national championship where they wore all orange because every national championship that Clemson won was in white on orange. Mm-hmm. So it's it must have been, it's probably been that game. Yeah. So, um, but thank you to all of our listeners. Just uh, some housekeeping, a reminder. I think we mentioned it last week. Going forward until we lead up to whatever bowl Clemson's in, whether that be the Orange Bowl or the Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl, uh, these next few weeks we'll be doing a little bit shorter episodes talking some picks and, and bowl games and that kind of stuff. Not as much Clemson related. Um, I was but, thinking I was thinking next week might be a little longer because we'll still at least have the North Carolina game to discuss and a game looking forward. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, you're right. yeah. going on from there until our bowl game actually happens, we're uh, not going to have as much Clemson football to talk about. It'll just be a more general college football show. Still making our weekly picks and stuff, though. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll talk a little bit of USA World Cup. Who knows? Go USA. <laughs> but uh, if you do not follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all of that good stuff. Um, one thing I, I can't remember if I sent this to you or not, Matthew. It's the Tis the Season. Spotify's putting out their like uh, year in raps or whatever yeah, they yeah, call yeah. it with everybody's stats. Uh, one stat that amazed me uh, our listeners. We had just as many listeners come from a link clicked on Twitter as we did Facebook. So interesting. Uh, I'm all get that we're a part of Facebook because everything kind of just posts from Instagram. But <laughs> uh, shout out to our Facebook followers who are clicking the links over there. So I think Facebook uh, is important. It's a demographic that we're missing right now. Yeah. Well, so I, I actually think that the Facebook demographic is our our listener demographic actually. We got to get some of those younger folks. So maybe we'll hop on TikTok here pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you to all our listeners. And uh, hopefully next week when we talk, we're talking about another Clemson championship. Peace. Peace.